let's roll. I'm, my name's Ian. Hi, I'm Nancy Lopez. Hi. So, um, different people have uh, come here for for different reasons. I think they've been attracted to this to this weird uh, project for different reasons. So, what 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 brings you out here? Um, well, I'm actually a student of Dina's, Dina Shaw and Kirk's student. Um, I'm in her philosophy class, and I actually also host a philosophy comedy theme podcast. So oh, I heard sweet. about this happening. Yeah, it's called But Why Though at BWT Podcast, if anyone wants <laughs> to check it out. Um, yeah, so I heard about this, and I love philosophy, so I thought might as well stop by. But Why Though? That's, fucking, <laughs> that's hilarious. I love that. Um, that's great. So... Um, What's on your mind? What have you been What have you been thinking about recently? Uh, a lot. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. About the yeah. present, the future, <laughs> and um, how how things are constantly changing every day, and we've seen that throughout this past year. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Do you? I mean, yeah. There's there's uh yes. There's <laughs> there's a lot going on. I guess one thing that you know, like philosophers on social media or whatever like spent a lot of time talking about is sort of like well you know we're gonna have to we're gonna have to somehow recover from this or some somehow this is going you know the pandemic and the sort of massive transfers of of wealth and skyrocketing unemployment and so on and so forth like these are gonna have these really deep effects on us sort of both sort of personally at a micro level and then sort of at a macro level about how power is distributed throughout society. Um, and so, you know, philosophers are, uh, are not, uh, the most powerful people in the world, but, uh, but we have, but there has been this sort of ongoing conversation about like, well, what can philosophy do? Right? Like what role mm -hmm. does philosophy have in, um, in repairing, in repairing the world or in sort of helping us interpret whatever lessons we can get out of the, pandemic and our response to it i don't know is this something is this something you've thought about or is is this do you do you, do you have any ideas about what uh about what role philosophy has to play in like uh getting us out of whatever we're in mm -hmm. um yeah i think i do think philosophy does play an important role and more I think it should play more of an important role than it does right now i feel mm -hmm. like usually people when they think about um philosophy they'll think about just general ideas but haven't really gone into depth mm -hmm. to learn about them more and a lot of these philosophies that I have read about in class for example have also influenced and helped me change my view of the world and I think if we did read more of this and maybe be started teaching philosophy at a younger age in mm -hmm. schools perhaps i think that could make a difference as well yeah. um so i do think that it's something that we should rely on right now to to help us throughout the future yeah i think that's right i think that like just the sort of like general like habits of mind or sort of skill at you know reasoning in prose <laughs> like like just reasoning in words rather than like in math or whatever mm -hmm. like that is um, that is something that's just like a very generally valuable skill and something that, especially if you're talking about reasoning about sort of value questions, which people are sort of allergic to in other domains of life, at least often. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah, that's something you can get out of philosophy and something that I think the, the, uh, one way, one very straightforward way in which like, yeah, we'd be, we'd be benefit if like 
we started teaching philosophy to babies or to like five-year-olds at least or whatever. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of philosophy for children, something I wish we did more of in mm-hmm. New York City. I went to a high school where I got to, I got to study philosophy in high school. That was cool. But uh, Really? Yeah. Yeah. I went to Bard High School early college here in, here in New York City. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it changed my life. It was like, I, was, I don't know, I was 16 or whatever and took my first philosophy class. I was like, there you go. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. This is the thing. I was hooked after the first class. Yeah. Too. <laughs> The, um, I like that. I think the, the, I think the thought, I think the thought that you're also right. Maybe I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit. You tell me if I'm getting it wrong, but like the thought that like when people think about what philosophy is, they think about people talking at a certain level of abstraction or about sort of like either about sort of like hopelessly abstract questions, but sort of like, what is the just society like in general or um, uh, or otherwise, just sort of timeless questions. You know, questions about what, you know what's right or wrong in general, or what's uh, you know does God exist or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and you know when you actually like read a lot of what philosophers are talking about itself, and like not always, but often it's like very specific. Like maybe mm-hmm. talking about like um, how knowledge is distributed over the internet or something like that, or mm-hmm. uh, might be talking about. Uh, objectivity in the news or something something like that sort of you know relatively precise or timely questions so i think that's like one one little tiny like thing you could do to like uh like get give people the sense that you know philosophy might be worth caring about is like it's like just sort of exposing people to a wider range of like um sort of specific pointed pieces of philosophy pieces of philosophy that are like individual events or phenomena in the world rather than like how is life you know yeah. um so. and there's so many different branches of philosophy also so uh-huh. um there's political philosophy there's social philosophy uh-huh. moral philosophy so there's a lot you yeah. know and it's um it's not really i mean i i think i'm not sure i haven't interviewed every single person <laughs> but on earth but hey we got to get to work there's 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 a bunch, there's a bunch of them but i do think generally people think it's based on these ideas that you were mentioning yeah yeah the uh yeah i think that's right i think i wish i had a better sense of there is some sort of public opinion polling about you know how people sort of view different like like academic disciplines Mm -hmm. and um philosophy is like has sort of pretty low approval ratings and I, I can't remember the study off the top of my head but it's relatively recent from like 2019 but then again like so does math and it's like that was surprising it was like at first I thought oh philosophy has a low approval rating because people think that like uh philosophy is not like serious it's not something it's just like people mouthing off or whatever <laughs> but it's like well everybody thinks math is serious they just you know people just don't like math because they had a bad math teacher in third grade or whatever <laughs> so like uh, so like that gives me a little bit of hope that it's like it's not that people think philosophy is bullshit or that it's just like it's just sort of yeah pe- people opining or whatever mm-hmm. but that uh but that yeah if uh if if it's the same sort of thing as math then it's just like oh that well they they it's not that the yeah right it's not that the discipline's like made up it's just mm-hmm. that it's it's they have the wrong experience with it or whatever i mean yeah. Maybe maybe this is for the sake of uh, this. I'm going to do this ab- abruptly. I don't have a good segue here, but here we go. <laughs> um, uh, I know Dina. You know Dina sets these things. This is the first one of these that I've ever done, and I'm enjoying myself. But mm-hmm. Dina sets these things up 
in order in part to like sort of explore her 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 work in philosophy of art. Mm-hmm. And so I think right now she's like working on as the general theme is art as cognition. So mm-hmm. is that is that part of what brought you out here? Is that something you've you've thought about or something that you've talked about with Dina or yeah. The relationship between art and cognition is that is that something that's come up for you either in class or in your own thinking or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. I think that it's it's interesting to view art in in a philosophical way. Also, that's something that I think not a lot of us think about. And um, I do think that art plays an, a very important role in in our lives and society. Yeah. Um, Muse, whether it's music, literature, poetry, movies, um, I think it's something that society uses to to help get through hard times mm-hmm. like what we're experiencing right now, and also to express themselves and to grow culturally yeah. through generations. So I do think it's very important. Totally, totally, and that that yeah, right. Anytime you have some kind of like you know domain of activity or something like that something that like that people do that that is very important to us for one mm-hmm. reason or another like you want to have you want to you want to be able to talk about it philosophically you've got to think like i don't know at least i have this impulse of thinking like well if like something matters to people then there has to be some philosophical angle like there has to be something worthwhile to say from you know quote unquote a philosophical point of view whatever that whatever that means you know mm-hmm. um and I guess like a lot of my a lot of my like preoccupations I guess in philosophy have to do with like self-expression like what what is what is what is self-expression what is what 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 is what does it mean to express yourself um and how do the different sorts of media for oh far out got, <laughs> got, got a soundtrack the um like and how do the different sort of media for expressing yourself like differ from one another how does you know, verbal communication differ from, uh, uh, you know, dancing differ from, uh, mm-hmm. visual art differ from music, etc. cetera. Um, mm-hmm. so like, like when I think of like, well, how do you talk about art philosophically? That's like, that's where I go. I go, I go to, I go to self-expression, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you find that you have, this is a hard question to answer off the top of your head, but I guess I'll throw it at you anyway. I mean, like, do you find that you have some like, favorite questions or like do you find some yeah some questions in philosophy of art i find kind of boring or like not actually like oh this doesn't have anything to do with (laughs) the philosophy is just tacked on doesn't really have anything to do with art doesn't actually like deepen my experience of anything or my understanding of anything if i ask this question but like some questions like that's the real question that's what we need to be talking about like have Mm -hmm. you have you encountered that or had you know any questions that stood out to you as like that's the thing that's what we need to talk about when it comes to art Mm -hmm. yeah I guess that is difficult to answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, think, sorry. No, I think that the self-expression of it is an interesting aspect. Um, but I guess the question would be why Why do we create art and mm-hmm. if there is a purpose for it or maybe there isn't, maybe we just naturally do that and uh-huh. we would do that without it having any purpose perhaps uh-huh. but i think it it could and maybe um the question of why we do it and what it does for us i guess yeah um, but that's pretty broad no, <laughs> but well, it's pretty it's pretty broad but I, li- I like that sort of question 
I like questions about the functions of things. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, yeah, that that yeah. If you ask about the purpose of art, you know, one way of asking about that is just like asking, well, what what motivates any particular artist? Why does this person like get up in the morning and do their thing? Mm-hmm. But like, you can also and that is, I think, a maybe you'll get into some philosophical territory if you talk to any individual oh are you motivated by political concerns or self-expression mm-hmm. what are your responsibilities an artist you know you're off to the races but like there's also a but you can ask it at a sort of different level of abstraction which is i think the question i think that was the question that you were asking which is sort of like what does it do for us like why mm-hmm. is this a practice that we that we replicate from mm-hmm. generation to generation and that's a um and those sorts of questions about the functions of things are are i think really interesting because they're partly they're partly just straight up like biological and historical questions like just like, want to go look through the fossil record and see see where you where you find monkeys making art or whatever <laughs> but like um uh but it's also but it's also a philosophical question because like the idea of a function is uh is is useful enough but also just obscure enough that like philosophers still have some room to say like okay what what the fuck are we talking about when we're talking about the functions of things i don't know is that is that is that do you think where you see philosophy sort of entering into that question or like into the question of like why we do art in general or are there other ways that you see philosophy sort of entering in there um i think questioning yeah the function of it um is important and and also how art changes over time and how we think of these things and we come we say that something is beautiful but perhaps our concept of beauty could change over time also uh-huh. so it sort of makes you wonder is any are any of our perceptions or opinions actually real because they're constantly changing uh-huh. over time yeah, yeah and i'm sure the art is also as yeah, yeah. we've seen throughout history yeah um so yeah, it's it's it makes me question: um, Is there really a true concept of of something that is aesthetically beautiful or uh-huh. pleasing to us, or is that all just subjective? And is it constantly changing over time? Yeah, yeah. right. Like where? Yeah, where do the the in we yeah we have all we have this huge aesthetic vocabulary you know vocabulary for sort of evaluating our experiences of things or how we appreciate things or what sorts of what 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 we want in some sense out of works of art and some of and you know some of these things seem like they're they're very much in our heads like ooh that's just like very tasty well whether something <laughs> is tasty is just like that's a hundred percent in your in your brain and then there are some things where it's like like oh what are like a skillful or elegant painting and it's mm-hmm. like well is elegance a hundred percent in my head? I don't know. It's like I, you can't. There are some things you just can't see as elegant. It's their their uh-huh. objective facts about things that you're in some sense. Or responding sometimes to. you like something that looks more calming or sad because that's the mood that you're in, and sure. that feels better at that time. So it yeah. also <laughs> depends on your mood, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. The yeah, right. Anytime you have those sorts of questions about sort of like there's some there's some field of kind of judgments that people make and you can't tell whether the judgments are sort of like responding to objective facts in the world or they're just uh or whether it's just yeah it's just in your head and whatever that means 
Um, uh, yeah, right. Then, then, yeah, it's philosophy time. That's like bread and butter <laughs> for philosophers. Yeah, good. The, um, I guess, can I, can I ask a, this is just something, this is something that I saw a few years ago mm-hmm. and it got me thinking about judgments of beauty and I never had any idea about what to do with it. So let me throw this out there. I don't know. You, you tell me what you think. There, I was at a coffee shop, like, um, eating a sandwich, writing something. I can't remember what I was doing. And, uh, and, uh, like, a small family came in. Maybe it was just a mom and the little girl. Mm-hmm. And the girl looked like she was maybe four years old or so. And I forget what she described as beautiful, but she was like, that building is beautiful. Sure, it's a building. It doesn't matter. And I was like, and it struck me like, my first reaction was like, this is very, very weird for like a four-year-old to call something beautiful. That's a, uh, or maybe even younger. It just seemed like a, like an age inappropriate word, like mm-hmm. not a word that a kid that age would use. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, then I was like, well, if she's, if she's using, so like, okay, let's suppose that it is age inappropriate, that she's in some sense sort of imitating older people when she's using the word beautiful to describe the building or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, there's a, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure four-year-olds have aesthetic senses there are things Mm -hmm. there they have tastes in things of course in food but also in the colors of things and so on but um do four-year-olds have a sense of beauty do they have a sense Mm -hmm. of beauty and is what makes this age inappropriate the fact that she's she's sort of piggybacking on her mom's sense of beauty she's not she doesn't have one of her own Mm -hmm. there's a um there's a uh uh and i thought I thought, well, here's one possible way of describing this. So I'll just throw this out there. Tell me if this is totally, totally bonkers. But the um, sometimes there are some there are some words that um, where we think like there's a community of experts that sort of owns the word. So I can mm-hmm. use the word, but I'm always sort of deferring to them as to what it means. So mm-hmm. like the classic examples like arthritis. Like when I say arthritis, I sort of know what I'm talking about, but really I'm just trying to talk about like whatever the doctors are talking about. Mm-hmm. If they change their usage, then like that would change my usage, even if I had no idea whether they changed it. And so then I thought, well, maybe what this kid is doing is the same thing, but with beautiful. Like that beautiful is also a a word where you use it and in using it, you're deferring to some other community of not scientific experts, but to some other sort of expert. And, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, well, obviously like what's beautiful is different from who has arthritis, but like, uh, but but the sense that the sense that young children were sort of trying to this this little girl was trying to sort of defer to this practice which existed outside of her this practice of aesthetic evaluation mm-hmm. and she was trying to like tap into it in the same way that I try to tap into what doctors are talking about when they talk about arthritis yeah. like that seemed like uh, a a plausible enough explanation to me of what was going on and what was so weird about it that she wasn't using the word beautiful sort of for herself. She was sort of deferring to this other community. Um, um, okay. Is that, does that make any sense? Or it's like, is that like a, is that like an accurate description of like what's going on when very young children use sort of highfalutin aesthetic words like beautiful or elegant or whatever? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, it seems like 
she, that four-year-old was probably attaching this idea of beauty to to this other general or universal concept of it that maybe she knows she has or doesn't <laughs> uh -huh. at that point. But um, yeah, it's interesting to see how we have like these experts, I guess you could say, in our in our minds that set a meaning to these words and then we use them in a way to refer to other things that remind us of them, uh -huh. I guess. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure if if she was aware of that, but that's probably what she was doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, she definitely wasn't thinking like, ah, yes, there's a community of art critics or whatever, and I'm like, and I'm like trying to pick up on their usage. But like, yeah, but it does seem like she's trying to, she's trying to, it did seem in one way or another that she was trying to sort of participate in a practice that she somehow wasn't fully qualified to participate mm -hmm. in because she was so young. But then maybe I'm, but then on the other hand, it's like, well, if she'd used some other word, like if she mm -hmm. hadn't said beautiful, if she'd said like, this is really pretty or it's cute or something like that, then I would be like, okay, now, you know, four-year-olds probably have a sense of cuteness or prettiness. Maybe they don't <laughs> have a sense of what's beautiful, but they, mm -hmm. that, so I don't know. What do you, let, let's, uh, maybe one way of putting the question is like, supposing that's the case for a second, supposing that's right, that mm -hmm. it would be like, she wouldn't be like deferring to some other community if she called something cute because like mm -hmm. four-year-olds sort of like own the idea of cuteness just as much as anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, uh, then what's the difference between what's cute and what's beautiful in that respect? You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah, because they they are still sort of connected in a way, I would assume. Yeah. So I guess just because it's not that exact word, but it still is related to that family of words. So <laughs> yeah. Um, it is interesting for her to, for kids and for people in general to build these com concepts over time. And we, we might change the wording of them, but there's still, we still have these general ideas of things that we apply to describe mm. certain other things that uh -huh. we find pleasurable or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or, um, beautiful. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, it's interesting to think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I like that. Yeah, that there's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a whole bunch of, yeah. Oh, touch the mic. Hold on. Hold, hope that, hope that didn't fuck things up. Uh, there's this, some, there, yeah, there's this like big family of aesthetic words and you somehow kind of get like, there's some process of like socialization or enculturation or something mm -hmm. like that, that you, that you come to, through which you come to acquire that practice or that you know, the, the ability to use the word like for yourself without just deferring to other people. I'm trying mm -hmm. to think now, I don't speak any other languages fluently. So I'm trying to think of like other um, aesthetic concepts like in other languages where I feel mm -hmm. like I still even like grown up Ian still doesn't have a, a like is like the four-year-old, like is someone who does like, I haven't been socialized into using this concept. Like, I know there's some stuff like in um, I've read about stuff in like Japanese tea ceremonies, like the the language that's used to describe them is like, oh, there's this like aesthetic vocabulary in Japanese, which I just don't have because mm. I'm not Japanese and I don't yeah. I don't spend a lot of time at tea ceremonies. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it so must be interesting count. in other languages. I speak Spanish um, and yeah. Italian a little bit also. <laughs> so uh -huh. I'm trying to think of yeah. a word. Yeah, like a good aesthetic word, like you know, art criticism or like nature criticism or something like that, that would be where it's like, there's no, 
there's no good English translation. I don't know. Hard, hard question to answer off the yeah. top of your head. I know. I guess hmm, maybe like, um, yeah, it would have to be something that can't be translated. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of words for beautiful that we use in Spanish that aren't used in English. Uh-huh. Um, like we could say es bello or es hermoso. Bello would be beautiful. Uh-huh. Hermoso is more like gorgeous, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So something like that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, in a different language, it's also interesting to think about. Yeah. There is a, I'll, well, this is a kind of a different thing, but it is something that I think I've noticed in Spanish. Um, um, I want to be care. I want to be careful not to say anything racist. So I'm going to try. I'm going to try to make. Sure, I'm going to make sure I'm not saying anything racist, and I'll do my best. Like there's a, um, like, uh, we listen to a lot of like '90s merengue songs at my apartment. It's like my girlfriend's mom is Dominican, and that's music she grew up with, and so on. <laughs> and like, uh, um, and there's when I first heard them talking uh, a lot of the songs are just about like beautiful women okay this woman's beautiful this woman's beautiful that's the song okay great um <laughs> and um and the like beautiful dark-skinned women are morenas okay and mm-hmm. so like i think in in english if you said like i think if like a non-black person was like that's a very pretty black girl there's something that's like a little bit like my ears like get like a little hot that sounds like a little off. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's the same vibe in Spanish. I don't think it's the same vibe in like saying like, uh, like, este morena is very beautiful, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that seems, I don't think that seems like even like a little racist. Mm-hmm. And so there's a way, so that's not exactly an aesthetic there's an aesthetic judgment that's being expressed using the word, although Morena is not strictly speaking like a word of aesthetic value, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Well, A, does that seem right to you if you if you know more Spanish? I than know me? I know people do use the word Morena um, and Moreno, and it's usually not offensive from what I've heard, but yeah. I'm not sure if that's changed over time. But yeah. I, I do remember um, uh, like yeah, when I was in Mexico, people used to say, when I would go there on vacation, people used to say that about people like, oh, look, she's such a pretty morena. And yeah. they would sort of say it like as a compliment. But yeah. I don't know if that's changed over time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, um, yeah. I know back then it wasn't seen as offensive, really, yeah. from what I knew. But yeah, um, in English, it would probably not translate the yeah, same no, way. <laughs> no, it does not, not come off right. I guess, yeah. yeah. So it's like that's so maybe maybe that's the same sort of thing of like there's a if you you know if you if you in in English speaking in the English speaking world if you you know express a like a sexual preference for uh black girls as a white guy there might be something that's like Ooh, I don't yeah. know. Uh, okay, that might uh, be uh, weird. That's okay, like yeah, chill out. That's a little weird. That's a little yeah. weird. Um, um, and that, and that, but that's because in, in of course, there was there's a whole history of racism, the Spanish-speaking world, and so on. Mm-hmm. But like, but there's a particular sort of background of bullshit, a particular background of you know, like racism that 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 
colors how people, no pun intended, the colors how people see these, how see see these aesthetic words or aestheticizing words, uh, mm -hmm. which exists in one sort of culture and doesn't exist in every culture. Anyway, mm -hmm. that was that was I yeah I, I I hope I managed to get get through that example without without screwing it up because I was speaking off the top of my head. But there you go. <laughs> that um, made sense. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting to see how there are some things that can be translated. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, but that isn't to say that there has been colorism in Mexico also sure. and all of that. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The words change over time for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Who knows? Yeah, who knows what what what. Yeah, what sort of pieces of our aesthetic vocabulary will seem Crazy. dated or offensive in the yeah. I mean I had I was having this uh I'm not a Gen Z person, I'm too old, but the uh I was I was I was having this conversation with my partner about what apparently people some at least on TikTok call chuggy. And I was like sort of a replacement for basic and I was like, Oh, that's a, like a nice uh it's nice that there's a replacement for basic because, you know, yeah, I've used the word basic plenty of times, but it, it sort of rubs me the wrong way because it's sort of sexist because, like, only only women and girls are capable of being basic. Boys are generally not basic. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but, like, boys can be chuggy. And so it's like, okay, so we now have, a, like, a sort of gender-neutral alternative for basic. And, mm -hmm. like, good. Sounds good to me. Um, um I haven't uh, heard that word. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's there's some Times article about it, which is like how I know that I'm that I'm like uh, that I'm washed is like that I learned about this you know new TikTok word from a Times article. But anyway, um, um, yeah. So that's something to think about. Is like yeah, how do you how do you choose your aesthetic concepts? How do you choose what sorts of aesthetic? What yeah what thick terms like terms that carry aesthetic value sort of baked into them you want to mm -hmm. use i feel okay using the word elegant or beautiful maybe i don't feel so okay about using the word basic and i'm glad that i have an alternative to it now uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah there you go this was this was a pleasure I enjoyed all right this. Yeah, yeah we should definitely have you on our podcast too yeah, if you're ever definitely <laughs>